This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with two full-blown kids. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a toddler. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother is the internet my village, plus this is all a buzz. Teresa looks back and we talk to Katherine Goldstein about working mothers. Woo! How are you, Teresa? My back hurts. No. Um, outside of <laughs> outside of the back pain. I'm doing okay. I I'm in the midst of trying to sort out an interesting phenomenon. Mm. Is it spooky? (laughs) Yes. Sure. (laughs) So many of you who have been listening to the show for a while may remember that a few years ago I had a genius moment where I got myself, at the recommendation of a friend, a five-year diary, which is basically like a a diary that has like space for a little bit, uh, like a few words, like a sentence for each day on top of the year before, on top of the year before, on top of the year before. So you can kind of like see the past year all the way up to five years (laughs) as you're filling out this diary Mm -hmm. and you just write down like a memory or something from each day. Sure. And my friend had recommended do this because when your kids get older, it'll be so hard to remember back like what it was like and like what kinds of stuff they did and said. And it's so great for just like remembering funny quotes or just like little things they said. So this was a genius moment. And I, I'm up to, I'm almost done with my five-year diary. It's that long ago. Like I'm on the last year now. I started the last lap uh, in May. Wow. And I've been religious about it. I write in it every night. There's some some days where something happens and I go over to it and I fill it out during the day because I want to not forget it. But wow. I've, yeah, I've been keeping it all along. But something happened like I want to say about two weeks ago. I just didn't write in it yeah. one night. And I was like, I just don't want to do that right now. <laughs> like that was my in my yeah. head. I was just like, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to look at it. I don't want to write in it. And this has been, like, building for a while. And, like, so I haven't written it for the last two weeks. And, like, basically what has been hap- what was happening before that was that even though I was writing in it each night, I was not engaging in it mm. in the way that you kind of are, like, supposed to. Like, the idea of it is you can see, as you're writing today's memory, you yeah. can see what your kids were doing a year, a year ago right. and enjoy that memory. Or a year before that, like, two years ago, and think about that memory and right. kind of, like, see how much things have changed and how much they've grown and blah, blah, blah. This is not the experience that I am having with this diary, you guys. Like, this is not. And I don't have that much more to say about. Like, I don't. This is. I'm still in, like, the processing phase with this. Like, I don't know why it's, like, pissing me off so much. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, I I think it must have something to do with the expectations Mm -hmm. that I had when I set out with this diary of like what it would be like five years in the future to look back on these sweet moments. Right. Whereas like my life just looks so 
different from what I had expected five years ago, and I'm still dealing with that. Yeah. And then, like, <laughs> and then, like, the fact that a year ago I was going through something that mm. I will say was traumatic for me. I'm not trying to exaggerate or be dramatic. I experienced trauma in my, like, experience dealing with Grace having so much trouble at school a year ago. And I'm still trying to get over that. And when I look back at the notes that I wrote, it's like... I was like going back. I was like, oh, Teresa. <laughs> like looking back at myself, like, oh, Teresa. Like, I like, because some days would be like, today was really hard, period. Yeah. Or like, I'm really sad. Yeah. Period. Oh, good. But then other, but, but, but looking but, back on that is not necessarily. All I could think of as was like, mine would look like sad, sad, <laughs> frustrated, yelled at the washing machine, right? Like, that's. But that seems like a more authentic. I but it, I appreciate yes. looking back. Yeah, it's not like yeah, that's not what you expected. <laughs> but like, right? That's not what I expected to look back on and be like, wow, great. I'm glad great. I get to like relive that or like think about that again. But also, the ones that yes are worse are the ones where I wrote like so and so said this and they did such a good job or that this was so good or yeah. they tried or they, you know, this cute quote and I'm like reading it and I'm like I remember exactly how I was feeling when I wrote that and like it was not happy. a happy time like even though I was yeah. like trying to find the good I was like suffering I Bulk really was I was a mess <laughs> I know so but it's not all that either it's not it, all of it is just fucked up and oh, I wish yeah. I like didn't have a record of it you yeah, know what no. I mean like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then because it goes back five years there's also like Four years ago when, like, Grace was using a different name yeah. and, like, you, I'm referring to my boys. Yeah. And, like, there's just weird. It's just there's so much in this thing. Yeah. And I'm just done with it. Like, I don't even, I think I just won't finish it. You should throw it away. I don't know if I <laughs> want to do that. Yeah. But, it's like. It's there. It's, yeah. It's uh, tough. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost done. That's what's mystifying about it to me. I think it's that now that I'm almost done, I'm seeing that it hasn't become the thing that I, I wanted, wanted it. it to become. And like somehow I really stuck it out because I really thought yeah. eventually this will become the thing that I want it to be. And now I'm at this point where I'm like, I can see that that's never going to happen. See? Parenting. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. How are you, Biz? Uh, I'm all right. I'm just going to... I'm. Tired. Okay. And I feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And like the to-do list mm. is never going to be to-do'd. It's right. And yeah. so I just thought I will share. You know how you were talking uh, the other week, and we've talked about this before. Big things happen, and then they just go away mm-hmm. because your brain is dead mm-hmm. and you are very tired. I was going to come in here and talk about, like, this morning, I'm like, what the fuck happened to this week? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I guess I'll come in and talk about, we showed the kids the Adams Family, the mm. original one, mm. the movie, the movie original one. Yeah. And they liked it, and then they watched two, and I was like, great, good story. But then I remembered that we had the bees removed from the swarm of bees good. that I mentioned yeah. last week. 
found somebody to come and humanely remove the bees. And the guy was really nice and very casual and was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, described what the bees were and what they were doing and blah, blah, blah. And he goes up the ladder and he's trying to remove. And then you could tell that it's not going as smoothly. Basically, when all was said and done and he comes to my door and his truck is just being like swarmed by bees trying oh, to get wow. back to the queen. He's like, yeah, they were they were aggressive. And oh, wow. in fact, I'm glad you called because they were Africanized bees. Those are the like bees that That's like the killer, killer bees. bees right? They're the ones yeah. that like they don't sting you once. They like yeah. aggressively sting over and over and yeah. over. And the only reason they hadn't been a problem is because they were so high up. Yeah. And we weren't disturbing them. Yeah. But the moment that he was like you could you can go back out of the house later. And Katie Bell and Ellis and I were all looking out the window all yeah. night going, we're not going out there. Yeah. There are still bees looking for that swarm. Yeah. Let's they are not happy. Yeah. And you can't wear shoes outside. You have to wear shoes yeah. outside because all the bees have like yeah. the de- like bees that have died naturally yeah. are just everywhere. Oh, wow. So that, that was in my house. Wow. Or outside of my house. So I'm holding a lot of tension in my body. Yeah, as I just result, was like, "Are you?" Story. Yeah, so, and just like, "Are you okay?" I'm all. I could just like, "All right, might as well." Right, might as well be right. killer bees. Right, might as well be killer bees. Which, of course, <laughs> sent me down like a total rabbit hole on the internet mm-hmm. about what kind of bees we had. Yeah, which I think ties in nicely to what we're going to talk about today, which is. Is the internet my village? Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa, the internet a place to turn, a shoulder to cry on when the great questions of life arise. Yeah. Who is that hand that plays Thing in the movie The Addams Family? Right. Right? Like, and I think with parenting, it's a unique relationship with the internet. And I guess I wanted to see... How we're using the internet now mm-hmm. this far into parenting has it has it changed? Is it good? Mm. Is it bad? Where are we in using the internet? And I, I did a quick thing where I was like, like if you were to look at your history right now, your recent mm. search history, what porn? Would, what porn? porn. Yeah, I'm a lot of kidding. porn. <laughs> porn. Where the farthest away I can go to get milk. (laughs) Milk stores in Iowa. Um, Milk stores. (laughs) Just stores that sell milk. Only. Milk for moms. Uh Milk for moms. A vacation. That's right. It's an eight-hour drive. Meet you there. I did a quick. Actually, I did. I just pulled up and I was like, what's my history? What have I been looking at over the last few weeks? Uh A lot of school stuff. Like think like after school care, mm. school volunteer things, forms that need to be filled out, mm. going to check on homework stuff that's online, mm. you know, meals 
what can I put in the house now that my children may eat? Can I solve the food problem Mm. by looking up recipes, snacks? Recently. Yeah. I'm still still trying to find food that will give my children protein and calcium because they don't eat anything like that. Right. I understand that. Yeah. But, like, uh, so are you, is it just the, like, I'm still looking, someday I might find it, or do you, are you regularly, like, trying stuff I'm that regularly you, trying that you stuff. read on there. Okay. Yeah. So you read they come well they come from different places. Right, right. I of wouldn't course. say yeah. I read anything useful. Okay. I'm You're like looking oh. for like lists. Yeah. I like, like a list. High protein yeah. kid foods or right. high yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that would be that. what do you can you think what yours might look like right now? Yeah. I mean I think definitely the school stuff. Yeah. I feel like I as far as just looking stuff up online, yeah. I've sort of stopped just looking stuff up. Okay. Unless it's like medicine dosage or right. like medicine, like can this conflict with something else? <laughs> right, right. And like since I'm still still breastfeeding, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. We're going to yeah. see how long we can. <laughs> Are you researching that too? No. <laughs> no, I don't need to. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, yeah, like, there are a lot of things I just want, but, like, but like with medicine, yeah. sometimes if I'm taking, like, cold medicine or yeah. something, I'm like, is this something that, like, could maybe dry, like, it's not, could it, like, dry up my supply? I'm not really worried about that at this point, <laughs> but I but I am, like, would this, like, poison my child sure. if, you know. That's a good one to look up. So, at. like, I'll look up medicines, I'll look up, like, yeah, like, camps and school stuff, but yeah. I think... Primarily, I am leaning on podcasts, which I still consider the right. internet. So, okay. I mean, I and and also like b- books, but I'm listening online, like yeah. I'm listening on Audible or whatever. So, I feel like it's all kind of connected. Like yeah, that's I'm where I'm getting my that. information, but it's less. But it is more for me. I feel like it is more support. I'm looking. You're- I'm leaning towards. The internet for support more because I'm more apt to like email a doctor or call our doctor sure. now at this point because I, I don't well, at like this point yeah and I don't like looking stuff up like that online because I don't want to see a picture of it oh, like even yeah. if it's on my own kid and yeah. I'm looking at that I don't want to look it up I just don't want to see pictures <laughs> yeah. of stuff like type it in rash and, is never yeah. good yeah like type I just, it in spider bite <laughs> never good yeah I can honestly say that I probably have a few worse things I could possibly look up on the internet. Yeah. And they are almost all medical with horrific pictures. Yeah. And I and you can't really avoid it. Like even no. if you don't do an image search, right? Even if you're it, just, they it'll pop still up. pop up. It still you pops can't up. Make it. And stop. you're like, ah, ah, that's not what mine has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, support. So you're yeah, so like you the tend Facebook to go, groups, yeah. you know, and and like certain podcasts, I feel like I regularly lean on for support and I guess for information too. Do you find that it helps? Yes. Does it? Yeah, otherwise I, mean, yeah, I wouldn't be doing me. it. Well, yeah. you know, I don't know. I mean, you oh, maybe okay. personally mm. might not be doing it, but like I think 
I definitely, and I've talked about it here on the show, that I've used the internet. Like, I've gone on for support, going on to groups and stuff. And it's not actually helping because I'm, it's filling my time in a way that is like, more like I'll either read something that's upsetting, yeah. right? Like, or that somebody's really struggling, and then yeah. that I'll think about that too much, or I'll get involved in something. And it's it's taking me away from mm. actual activities that might make bring me a different type of comfort yeah. that I might actually need. Yeah, or I'll go on like random, ser- you know, like I am a searcher for ideas with babies and toddlers. I did a lot of how the hell are we getting through the next three hours? Mm-hmm. Like, what are some reasonable activities I can do with like paper clips and the, ha- you know, like mm-hmm. what can I do that will not make me feel like I'm losing my mind? Mm-hmm. And I still look those things up. That has not changed. Every once in a while, I'm like, you know, what can Ellis do with Legos? That's it. And I, I'm not sure that it's as beneficial anymore because it's, I'm really, It reminds me that I'm struggling with they can't actually figure this out on their own now. Or my kids aren't those kids. Right. (laughs) Right. Who would enjoy that. Yeah. Or lessons learned. That activity will be over in five minutes and it will require the rest of the day to clean it up. Yeah. You know, like, so I'm not sure the things that I used to use it for that I still use it for possibly out of habit Mm. are still helpful. Yeah, I see what you mean. Right? While yeah, it's like part of your routine. Yeah, but part of not, my routine, yeah. but it's not helpful versus, you know, I think Facebook group stuff is actually can actually be really helpful at yeah. times if I'm good at narrowing down what I'm going on there to ask for or to mm. find. So that's really interesting because I think the more I hear you talking about it, the more I think I should be more clear about how I'm using those ah. groups because I think I don't almost ever post in the groups. Right. I, I'm i part of a couple of groups for parents of trans kids and a, and a few other groups that apply to my life as a parent that apply to things my kids are going through or whatever. Yeah. And I think the part that I find most helpful is just like knowing the people yeah. are there. I, yeah. I know that seems no, really... I- But it really means a lot to me. Like, I go there and I kind of browse posts or I like posts or just offer, like, support or or nothing. Sometimes I'm just quiet. But, like, reading what others are going through is very, like, when it's something that I'm going through, something similar. Yeah. It's just really validating and comforting. And I just feel like that's... It's like comfort porn. (laughs) <laughs> it's totally comfort porn. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like, no, this, I it's agree. like, okay, I'm not alone. Yeah. And just knowing those people are there, if I did have something to ask about. Yeah. You could ask. There's yeah. a safe place yeah. for you to do it. Yeah. You know, I, in that same vein, there are lots, you know, I, I've gotten added, requested to be added to lots of groups that may not necessarily apply to me, but I've used within the One Bad Mother community to look for guests, to, you know, find out information for topics so that we can be respectful and inclusive and, and, you know, go down the right path. So occasionally things will pop up that I'm not necessarily looking for, but they'll pop up. And what I actually really like, not just the feeling of not feeling alone, people are going through it. I also 
really find joy in seeing people do something hard and incredible, Mm. right? Like where you're like, oh, my God, have you been going through that this last year? And you've come out like this? Yeah. And you're okay? Yeah. God, that's great. You know, where I'm like, oh, that gives me such hope, you know, for Mm -hmm. all things that just seeing people be nice to each other. Yeah. I like that. That's nice too. Right? Because a lot of times the internet's a place to not be very nice. Yeah. Which I think takes me into like another area that the good side of the internet is that you can find support and you can find places to feel not alone and sometimes even actually good ideas for how to kill five hours in your house with your children or Mm -hmm. how to survive your first plane trip with kids. But the downside is there's this invasiveness to the internet Mm -hmm. that like, I now know that there's a good chance I'm going to open the New York Times to read something or I'm going to open up Facebook and a parenting related story is going to pop up. Yeah. And you guys know, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know how I feel about a lot of parenting articles that lead with what I feel is an accusation of my failures as a person. Yes. Or suggest there is no hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For my happiness, Mm -hmm. for my health, for my children, right? For my relationship. And so if we consider the internet to be a village, I don't want those people in my village. I know. (laughs) So I don't. But don't villages always have people who are unhelpful (laughs) that you avoid even in a village? So how you use the internet, how has that changed? Has it changed? Like for me, again, like I said, a lot of it hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. My habits still tend to be the same when it comes to, I'm not looking for as much medical Mm -hmm. lessons repeatedly not learned yeah and then learned again (laughs) right yeah I has it changed for you or is it yeah I mean I think like as far as parenting stuff on the internet like when I when Gracie was a baby there was just like one listserv for my like neighborhood kind of thing that like mamas would post to about (laughs) whatever and I didn't and or I think I was also using baby center oh yeah sure forms on there and I think that uh, I think I just did not. I was not aware yet right. of the extent of the judging, yeah, and the misinformation, and just people flying off the handle about whatever, right? And Grant, like, no blame to anyone because no. every one of us was there feeding the flames of <laughs> yeah. that thing. Oh, enjoyable. Um, yeah, and like, <laughs> I, I love kickball <laughs> and I love dodgeball, right? Like, <laughs> but I think that that must have taken the place yeah. in some sense of a real village right. that could have been better for me, like my mom, my aunts, mm. my cousins. Right. My sister, like, and I don't, I shouldn't even name just all the female members of my sure. family, but like, fa- like, ex- you know, extended family and immediate family members who could have offered support if we were more like physically close. and geographically close and or just like seeing each other every day. But I was resorting to the internet sure. for stuff because everybody was at work and they yep. lived far away and I was alone with my baby, so I went online. Yeah. So that, I mean, in that sense, that was my village. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's a good point that, yeah. like, the notion of the internet being a new form of village 
makes plenty of sense given the isolation of parents now, right? Yeah. Like get the isolation of parenting yeah. and uh, all the different forms that comes in and the fact that many aren't living near family that could offer support, right? <laughs> some of some people live near family and that family offers zero support. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just because, yeah. so that's not the fix-all of all things. But... You know, or you have, like, for me, I didn't have any friends who had had kids. So, right. you know, the Internet became that source for me as well. So, I don't know. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it a thing? I mean, I'm grateful that it's there because if it was, like, I don't right. know if it's like the chicken and the egg thing. Sure. Like, if it wasn't there, would we have found people in life that could have maybe done a better job of supporting us? Yeah. Or, you know, without the Internet, we have really felt truly alone right? at times where we really needed to not feel alone. So, yeah. Hey, Siri, is the Internet my village? Hey, Siri, is the Internet my village? Siri, why aren't you talking to me? Answer me, Siri. Is the Internet my village or not? Also, I need directions to the store. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Michelin. Fellow parents, this has happened to all of us at some point. You're driving in the car and the kids are arguing in the back seat. You turn around for a split second to break it up, but when you look back at the road, there's a car inches away from your front bumper. You slam on the brakes, but it's scary. You want to know that your tires will help you stop in time. And that's where Michelin comes in. Because stopping safely consistently matters. When worn, Michelin Premier all-season tires come to a complete stop. Some other worn tires are still traveling over 15 miles per hour. You know, really, don't forget to look at your tires. (laughs) So next time when you're looking for new tires for the family car, consider Michelin Premier all-season tires. Michelin, performance every time. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, Teresa. Genius me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. Are you aware of water beads? Yeah, I am. Okay. So somebody (laughs) recommended these to us, and... My kids actually do really enjoy them, yeah. um, and they're they're pretty cool the way they're reusable. Yes. Like, they never go away as long as you kind of take care of them. Yeah. So we've been using them on and off, and then they had been put away for a while. And then last weekend, I was eyeing the old 
big water table that we've had in the mm. backyard for years. years. I mean, since, since Gracie was a toddler. Yeah. And I've gone through several phases with this thing of thinking I might get rid of it yeah. because it just gets really disgusting oh, from yeah. sitting outside for a long time. But then every time I go to get rid of it, I'm like, but we could really still use this if I cleaned it. Like, yeah. really what I need to do is clean it, and then we could do something with it again, you know? Right. But then I'm like, well, it's not. summer's kind of over. My kids aren't just going to, like, they're old enough that they're not going to just, like, splash around with water in the water table anymore. <laughs> like, that's not that exciting anymore. But then I thought of the water beads, and I cleaned the table really quick, and then I just filled it with so many water beads, like more water beads than we've ever done it before. (laughs) And so the water beads, for those of you who haven't used them, they're just like these teeny tiny little multicolored plastic balls, and they soak up water over a period of like four hours. And they're just, it's like a fun sensory activity. Yeah, they bounce, they're squishy. They're squishy. They feel really good to like pick up and squeeze. So we just did it in the in the water table outside in the backyard, and it was like a new thing because it was yeah. like a new use of the water table. It was a new use of the water beads, and I was able to like cover it and leave it there overnight. So we used it kind of all week because we could go wow. visit them and see how they were doing. Yeah, and they were like hiding toys in the water oh, beads because yeah. it was so it was so deep. So it was super fun. Good job. Yeah, very Thanks. good job. Thanks. So Halloween. School Haunted House, I have been working on building a very scary tree that will be in our area of the Haunted House. And Stefan and I found some different ways to approach the building of the tree. It tends to fall to me to make the tree Mm -hmm. because I have more time during the day, quote unquote, (laughs) to make a tree. Uh, You're home. I'll make a tree. Mm -hmm. So anyway... I started building the tree, the base of the tree, and was figuring out all this really, I was like, oh, look at my brain working. This is a great way to attach this. This is going to solve this problem. This is how I can make it in three parts so that we don't have to try and figure out how to drag an eight-foot tree to the, you know, school, all this stuff. Now, fast forward to therapy, and (laughs) we're (laughs) we're talking about some intrusive thoughts. Yeah. Things aren't. You know, great in the world, and that can be triggering for some of us mm-hmm. who have had previous experiences that are not mm-hmm. happy. Yep. And Sorry for laughing. I know, but it's like, uh, of I course, know. of course. I know. Of course. So, anyway, she says to me, you know, those thoughts you're having, those are intrusive. They're concerning. Something I want us to think about, talking about. I do like my therapist. And mm-hmm. we'll see yeah. if you want to go there. Yeah. Is when you feel you have power. And mm. so she says, when have you felt like you've had power? Now, I am sure her question was geared towards some other type of experience. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that came to my mind was building the tree. that tree. Yeah. Because I had music. I wasn't doing yeah. anything else. I yeah. was only focused on the tree. I was killing it. Yeah. And... And you knew you would. I knew like, I would. Like, I was getting to problem would, solve. Yeah. Like, yeah. I do better without instructions when it comes to things like this. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, do I have that in the garage? Yes, I do. Now I'm going to do this. And that's mm-hmm. going to work. And, you know, wow. This is, like, I feel... Capable. Capable yeah. and powerful. Yeah. And I like doing this. Yeah. And so there you 
go. That's I do. It's great. kind of a weird genius, but there no, you go. No, I love it. Yeah, she I was, love it. Yeah, my therapist was like, that's so interesting. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I'm surprised. Hello, One Bad Mother. This is a genius. So I, <laughs> it's a very simple and super genius, but it's a genius nonetheless. Um, I try to eat healthy. I try to be good. I try to feed my family healthy and have everyone, I don't know, eat as well as they possibly can. And everybody eats yogurt. And so with this like, oh, we're healthy people in my brain, I buy plain yogurt because it's unsweetened. And my genius is, fuck that shit. It's gross. Nobody wants to eat fucking plain yogurt. It's not good. It doesn't taste good. So I'm, <laughs> I might also be a little bit delusional or it's not delusional. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't tired. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm buying sweet yogurt and it tastes so much better. And this last time I went to the store and I got maple yogurt and it was delicious. And everyone ate a shitload, and that means everyone got protein, and that's great. And I'm happy, and I'm calling it a win. Sweet yogurt, give it a try. <laughs> Thanks so much. You're doing a great job, and so am I. Bye. Oh, wow. I know. She kind of reminded me of you yeah. sometimes. Where I'm just like. like- when you're just like delirious, I, yes, yeah, where yes. I am delirious. She was looking for the word delirious, not delusional. Yeah, though they go hand in hand at yes. times to the average person walking past you right. when you're having a yogurt moment. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, I love you. Yeah, I love the joy you have found in this. Yeah, yogurt freedom. Yeah, you are doing such a good job. You are. <laughs> Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Fail me, Teresa. Okay. So we had one of our dogs, Coco, went in for some dental work last week. She's fine. She made it through okay. But when on Thursday morning, Jessie was going to take her in because I was taking kids to school. And I said, Please make sure they call my number. Give them, make sure I've given them my number a lot of times, but for some reason they always call your number. And Jesse has like a Google voice number that sometimes rings the office and sometimes Mm. just goes to voice. And he's not as good about like answering. Sure. And so I just said, like, I'm going to be the one picking her up. I want the updates. I want them to call me. Make sure they have my number and they call me. And he's like, okay, whatever. You know, (laughs) great. Calm down. I gave, yeah, it was like this whole thing. Please just tell right. him again and again. Like, and he's like, okay. So he takes <laughs> he takes Coco to the vet. I take the kids to stool. Blah blah blah. The day is just going on and stretching on, and I'm just like, how long is this thing in it? Because they had to put her under anesthesia yeah. and do a whole thing. And I'm like nervous for her, and I'm sure. worried about her, and she has like a heart condition, and she's probably going to be fine. But like, it's just nerve wracking, and yeah. I just want to hear. And so I'm literally like carrying my phone around, looking at it, like yeah. waiting for them to call me. And I even check a couple times, like, did I somehow miss it? Whatever. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Then we're at a class that Oscar takes, and it's like 4.15. Yeah. And that's when they call. And I miss the call because I'm getting him set up in his class. But even when I see that I've missed the call, like, two minutes later, I can't leave because it's a short class. And if Oscar sees me leave, he's not going to participate in the class. Right. Like, he'll just get up and leave or something. Like, I have to stay in there. And so I'm like, oh. Wow, of course they call while I can't like get this message, whatever. So she leaves a message, the vet leaves this like detailed message, thankfully. So I listen to the message and it's basically like an update and the surgery is still going. And so they hadn't like started probably until later, you know? And so I'm like, okay, fine. Well, 
Amazingly, the next time she calls, I also miss the call. And it's because I'm at home and I'm doing dinner and I'm going downstairs to switch laundry. I'm like, could it possibly, I'm just going to switch laundry really quick. quick I didn't carry yeah. my phone with me. Whatever. Miss her call again. And then later Jesse comes home and I've like tried calling her back and I've like missed yeah. her, you know, like she didn't, they didn't bring her to the phone. So Jesse comes home later and he's like, oh, the vet called and he like gives me the update. And I'm like, I've been trying. And he's like, yeah, she said that she tried you twice and she couldn't reach you all day. And I was like, <gasps> Like, I, he said it in a neutral tone, yeah. but those were his words. Like, right. she tried twice, and she couldn't reach you all yeah. day. And I was just like, I I, I was so mad. Yeah. I was, like, really bent out oh, of shape about it. Like, I would be, really too. bent. Because also, Coco wasn't home yet, so I was still, like, feeling anxiety about yeah. her being at the vet and, like, not being done. Like, not, yeah. having, that, not having her home was, like, nerve. So... I was agitated from that, and then I it was like it was that like bad mom feeling. Yeah, somehow like, I was like, done. I went wrong. out of my way to like make sure I was the one that called, and then I just never answered. She well, never could reach me. You all were getting day. your nails done, right? Yeah, and it was just so. Oh, it oh. just made me. It took me like hours. Oh, yeah. to recover from that. It would take me a lot so longer stupid. than that. No. Nope, we're all just carrying that lump of coal around inside of us all the time, ready to catch a fire. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thanks. So, this week, been a lot going on, what with the bees and the nature <laughs> and a school holiday in the middle of the week and Halloween haunted healthy things and all sorts of things. So, Friday, I had a number of things I needed to get done within a certain time frame. So I'm out at my first errand, and when I come back to my car, I go to my purse to pull out my keys, and I cannot find them. I don't have a lot in my giant purse, but I'm like, oh, maybe it's, uh, maybe it, is it in my pocket? Is it like, where are my keys? And then I slow turn mm. to the car, mm. and I look in the window, and there are my keys. Oh, no. Just, like, in the middle of, like, the change things. Just oh, change no. And this is the time that I have actually locked my doors. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't usually do it. Right. Now I am locked out of my car. Yeah. We don't have a spare key. <sighs> like, my day is now... This is your day. This is my day now. Yeah. It is also yet another unexpected cost for this month. Right. It ain't cheap. Mm-mm. No matter who you use. Right. And, yeah, this is my, this is my day now. And I hated it. It was awful. And now I'm on constant, like, where are my keys alert? Yeah. There's a picture on Instagram. You may go enjoy that. Bask in my fails. But I just. I'm so it sorry. It just It's so sucked. frustrating. Yeah. Hey, Wine Bad Mother, I am calling with a fail. Today I brought my baby into the bathroom with me so that I could go to the bathroom. And our toilet is just behind the shower, so there's just a slight obstruction of view. And she was sitting there playing quietly. She's eight months, by the way. And then I peek around the corner, and she's got the, the kid's shampoo bottle in her mouth. Mm. And now her face is covered in shampoo, and I'm pretty sure it's all in her mouth. So I'm doing a great job, and so are you. Thanks. Your child is clean. (laughs) 
Inside and out. Inside and out. You are outrageous for going in to use the bathroom. You've got a small child in your house. Yeah, you're not allowed I'm to use the pretty bathroom. pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Just hold it. You got to hold like it. For a few years. Yeah, a few years. Until it's safer. Yeah, until it's safer for you to use the bathroom. I'm sorry, that sucks. You know, the good thing about baby shampoo is it's usually non-toxic. Yeah. <laughs> We're laughing because we've all done something similar to this. Yes. Well, you're doing a horrible job trying to be a person in the world who has a body that needs to go to the bathroom and expel waste every once in a while. Ugh. Awful. I'm going to send you some parenting books. You are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you When I have a problem I call you on the phone I love you, I love you One Bad Mother is supported in part by Mathnasium. The way each child learns is unique, especially in subjects like math. With face-to-face instruction, Mathnasium is great for kids who need to get caught up in math or to help kids who are already advanced stay ahead. Woo! Math! That's a thing that I'm unable to teach or help my child with, (laughs) ever. (laughs) Katie Bell came up the other day and was like, we're doing uh, fractions and area and and measurement. I was like, oh, good. Yeah. So we had Katie Bell involved in Mathnasium, and it has been... So incredibly helpful. With over a thousand franchise locations worldwide, Mathnasium is the authority on math education for grades 2 through 12. More than half a million parents trust Mathnasium to help their kids get caught up or ahead in math. Now it's your turn. Go to mathnasium.com slash OBM today to learn more about their programs or call 855-354-MATH. That's mathnasium.com slash OBM or call 855-354-MATH. Hey, Teresa, let's call someone today. <music> Teresa, this week we are calling Katherine Goldstein, who's an award-winning journalist and media entrepreneur. She has been extensively quoted as an expert in issues facing working mothers in the New York Times, Washington Post, The Atlantic, and on WNYC and NPR. She is the creator and host of The Double Shift Podcast, which is a reported narrative podcast about a new generation of working mothers. She runs Double Shift Productions as an independent journalism company out of Durham, North Carolina. Season two of The Double Shift is currently in production and is coming out next month, November 11th. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get in to uh, working mothers, I would like to ask uh, what we ask all our guests, which is who lives in your house? So I live with my husband, Travis. I have a four-year-old son, Asher, and I have two babies on the way in February. Holy oh. guacamole. <laughs> Sorry, we don't mean to laugh at you. We're We're laughing laughing with you. We're We're laughing right next to you. We're laughing at the glory of life. 
Yeah, life is fun. Good, because if I wasn't laughing, I'd be crying. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm sure. You're also welcome to cry on this podcast. Yeah. Wouldn't be the first. We do it all the time. <laughs> oh, wow. That is very exciting. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. All right. Let's get into the double shift. So... In season one of the podcast, The Double Shift, you tell a range of stories of working mothers, from mothers running for public office to the 24-hour daycare in Las Vegas to the discrimination that mothers face in the workplace and so much more. <laughs> I guess I want to start with what what was your goal for this podcast besides bashing people over the head, reminding them that, you know, women are people? <laughs> Yes, reminding reminding people that mothers are people yeah, was, mothers. was a big impetus for the podcast. Um, well, um, basically, you know, so I've been a journalist for over a decade, and I started getting into writing about and covering working mothers. And I really found that so much of the media out there um, did not treat the experience of being a working mother with any kind of like journalistic seriousness or rigor. Um, basically, most of the media aimed at mothers is really sort of tips and tricks and sort of aimed at telling us that we need to change, <laughs> that, yeah. Some, yeah. that somehow yeah. like we yeah. need to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And and I just felt like, um, you know, being a working mother in America touches so many important issues from uh, public policy to economics to gender roles to how we think about the, you know, the future of our families. It's actually a quite a rich topic. And yet very few people were devoting any kind of real journalistic resources. And I wanted to tell really different stories. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot that a lot of the media about working mothers also really centers, um, you know, a lot of upper middle class. Class, yes. professional white women, basically, as like the default ex- story and experience of working mothers. So part of the first season was telling a really wide range of stories from, you know, single mothers who go to a 24-hour daycare in Las Vegas to sex workers to just people that you don't always think about when we th- when we talk about working mothers and really try to expand the conversation to make it much more inclusive and, and really share a lot of new ideas and thinking. Do you have, after, you know, the the years of doing this sort of research and, and the podcast, do you have, like, a theory? <laughs> I'm going to laugh because I have a theory. A theory on why we haven't, like, the media and journalism hasn't treated this topic with more seriousness? The story of working mothers in America is ultimately a story about power and who doesn't have power in America. So I've also done a lot of research on um, media organizations and who rises to the top of media organizations and how media organizations are just now really starting to grapple with having new generations of parents and mothers who want to continue to rise in the ranks. And, you know, journalism stayed very flat in terms of women's leadership for many decades. And a lot of that, I think, is attributable to motherhood. So who has decision-making power does determine who um, gets, you know, resources to tell stories and who thinks what stories are important. And I had a, I've had a lot of very interesting and, frankly, pretty sexist experiences in getting <laughs> the double shift made. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually want to get there. I want to actually talk yeah. about that specific episode. There's this moment in the episode where you're talking you're describing a meeting with a big broadcast network in New York that passed on funding the show. Can, will you tell us about that? 
Yeah, so um, most of the first season are reported stories from uh, working mothers across the country. Um, but uh, there's one episode in the first season that is very personal that it's about me. That's basically based on a series of audio diaries that I made. And one part of the the that episode is it's really about a conflict between work and family and sort of thinking about your future and everything that you want in, in your life to yeah. happen. And you know, I talk about sort of this this really pretty intense series of events um, in my life, including the double shift was piloted by a big New York podcast company, and I was really happy with how the pilots went. But the feedback I got um, from the network was basically that they didn't think there was enough that was interesting about being a working mother to make a whole podcast about it. And it's really hard for me to imagine any other group of people. I mean, there's been there's obviously podcasts such as the one we're on right now that touch on motherhood and center the idea of motherhood. But there really until the double shift wasn't a podcast that was really dedicated to the ideas around working motherhood. And so the idea that there's not enough material for a whole podcast, it's like there are a hundred thousand shows about technology and gadgets. There's like there's like 50,000 shows about NBA basketball and like what I think is like, (laughs) you know? Right. Yeah. That's a what? No, we could come at that with so many different angles. What are you talking about? I know. (laughs) I know. And and sort of like, and again, uh, over and over, I feel like I'm still experiencing this. I mean, the double shift has found success and audience. And I think people in the podcast industry respect that. But basically, the the podcast world and so much of the media thinks anything that men are interested in is general interest and anything women are interested in is niche. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So what were the effects of that for you personally as you were trying to develop this? I really did not want to give up on making the double shift. And I knew that I had a great idea and I knew I was the right person to do it. And I basically just didn't want to live in a world where like the double shift could not exist. Right. And so I was just like, I don't want, (laughs) you know, I just like don't want to do this. I don't want to like, I don't want to give up on this dream. And so... You know, I was, you know, a real champion of this, honestly, was my husband who really believed that I should do this, even when it's, it seemed like basically he was the only person. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I, I kept at it and I, you know, eventually was able to get a number of partners on board and I was able to get some foundation funding because people in the foundation world actually saw the transformative power yeah. of the show more than people in media did. So we're, we were primarily funded um, by grants. And oh, so that has been really important and helpful because real journalism is expensive and costs money. And, you know, that's a that's a that's a problem that I'm not just I'm facing. A lot of media companies are facing that that issue. But um, so, yeah, I'm very I'm very happy that I didn't give up. And it's interesting because I think that people are sort of taking what the double shift is more seriously, but I still have conversations where I was talking to like um, a kind of a big time agent and she was like, oh, I totally get what you're, this whole thing. It's so interesting. And I really get what you're doing, but nobody like else at the company seems to really understand or understand it or get it, which is kind of the whole point of your show. Yeah. <laughs> which is really yes. ironic, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, yeah, it goes back to who has power and who has influence in various industries. Just that dynamic reminds me of 
um, in the final episode of your first season where you're covering parental leave mm-hmm. and the story of the mothers who worked together at the New York Times to get their policy changed and how, like, at some point during the show, you kind of remind listeners, like, they're doing this while they are working full time with either new babies oh yeah. or toddlers yes. or they're pregnant. Yeah. Like the 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 concept that we are struggling to get these policies in place because the only people who seem to care about it are the people who really are working. I mean, it's like more than a double shift. Yeah. It's like. It's like yeah. we're just working all the time. We're just always working. Like <laughs> never so stop like, working. But like the <laughs> idea that it's like on us, us. then to also yes. change the policy. It's like, well, no wonder this is so hard. And no wonder this hasn't, you know, this yeah. there's still so far to go because if the only people who can do it are the people who are already doing way too much. And those people are not the people who are in power. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I think that in some ways, that's why I think progress has been so slow in our workplaces, because, you know, the idea of someone com- who's coming back to work from a parent, uh, yeah. a too short parental leave yeah. is then responsible for advocating to change the whole company. Like those people have the fewest resources. Yes. yes. To, they're trying to get through their day yes. and they they are just trying to survive. And so the idea that we put it on them to, to make suggestions and plan the lactation room and come up with a new policies is ridiculous. And so that's why I'm a really big advocate that I really feel that mothers should and other parents need whatever, once they're past that sort of initial stage, like they need to bring other people along with them and make their workplaces better than where, you know, how they found them basically. And that we're obligated to do that and not just get a special deal for ourselves, but make it better for everyone. Since like the first season of the double shift has been out, I guess... Given everything that you were met with making it in terms of being told that no one's interested in this, probably, or or they don't get it, and the obvious unequal treatment of mothers in the workplace, what's been the response? So the response from listeners is, like, (laughs) completely motivating in in keeping me going. I mean— I bet. And that, to me, is so validating, and it's so much more validating. You know, every every email that I get about how much the double shift has spoken to someone, you know, is worth, like, 10 media executives rolling their eyes at me, honestly. Right. Because I know that this work is meaning something to people. And, you know, it's also very fun because, you know, we, we're a show we've only, we only launched this year. So people are still very much finding us. And yeah. it's, I love it when all of a sudden I'll see, like, one person has, like, followed us on every social channel and then they sign up for the newsletter and then they send me a really long email about like all of their experiences and how they're so excited they found the show and like that means so much to me you know because I know that we're doing something powerful and that and also we've um, started we've done some live events and that has been amazing Um, and I think people are really hungry to come together in community Mm -hmm. and you know listening to a podcast can be a solitary experience and people we do um, we've done a tour I've called it the fuck mom guilt world tour yes yes i <laughs> and, wanted to ask you about and people that are, 
Yeah, and people are really excited to come yeah. to an event called Fuck Mom Guilt. And anyone who wants to come to an event called Fuck Mom Guilt is like a totally a great double shift listener. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> yes. It's one of, one of us, one of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, I guess let me just end on, you know, what did you personally take away from the first season in terms of did you discover that you had biases maybe you didn't realize or just had your eyes open to things that you know hadn't been on you know your radar and what do you want to take into season two I learned so much. I mean, I've been a journalist for over a decade, but this was my first experience hosting a podcast and also running a media business. Yeah. So uh, I, I've learned, I mean, the amount I've learned in the last year is, is I, I almost can't believe how little I knew when I started. It took like just total like blind arrogance or something to yeah. even try to like <laughs> go forward with how little I knew, but I know a lot more now. So that is really, really great. I've learned so much. <laughs> Both in my subject and also like how to how to run this as a company. I actually like now have like a projected budget for the year and stuff yeah. like that. You know, like <laughs> details, details. But I think you know what we're so we focused on a really wide range of people and a lot of different kinds of professions in season one. And so for season two, we're actually focusing a lot on we actually have a theme this season and the and the it is the revolution begins at home. Mm. And so we're talking a lot about how we can rethink our family structures, our gender dynamics, and try to open our minds to very different ways of thinking to support working mothers um, outside of the nuclear family. And so I, I really am interested in talking not just about like workplace policies or interesting professions, but every aspect that really goes into what makes us what makes us successful as working mothers and all aspects of our identity. And I reason I'm calling it the revolution begins at home is because I believe like the revolution at work cannot start until there's a revolution in our homes. Yeah, no, it's a really good thought on how that can happen. I mean, again, it goes in line with things that we've been talking about on the show quite recently of oh, wait, maybe we should be looking at how these dynamics are set up at home, even in the best of situations. You know, how many pebbles do we need to pull out <laughs> of the dam before, you know, we can really reconfigure it to work better for us and for our family? Totally. And honestly, it's it's inspired by my own experience because I'm trying yeah. to figure out, like, how the fuck my life's going to work yeah. when I have two <laughs> twin infants. <laughs> I know. It's funny. <laughs> so I just go around asking everybody questions. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, oh, is the theme of double shift this year going to be about <laughs> twins? <laughs> it's not going to be about twins. I'm just hoping to learn from our amazing guests. Yeah. Uh, we're not talking about any like tips or tricks or like twin life or anything. <laughs> but I'm just hoping to figure something out. <laughs> well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. The double shift is Absolutely amazing. And uh, I can wholeheartedly say uh, very dynamic and has multi sides, <laughs> multifaceted. There are, you know, women like things too, and people can like things that women like. Surprise! Um, So thank you so much for for creating the podcast and pushing through and and making it. And we'll link everybody up to where they can uh, download the episodes and become new followers of of you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Bye-bye. 
Bye-bye. This is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we ma- we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There was one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org It's a cool podcast with chill vibes Amber is the color of our energy Is what all the iTunes reviews say <laughs> They will now This is Mirror Universe Adam Pranica Here to tell you not to listen to the greatest discovery On MaximumFun.org This is Mirror Universe Ben Harrison Uncharacteristically agreeing with you Despite the fact that you are my enemy The one thing that you must never do Is enjoy our bit of off-season Star Trek Discovery programming Where we talk about the first season of Star Trek Discovery While at the same time Unpacking news and information about the upcoming season two. So do not tune in and download The Greatest Discovery on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And rate it one star on Apple Podcasts. Woo! That was nice. It really was. The podcast, guys, it is amazing. It's the double shift. Go download it wherever you get your podcasts. It is so great. It's really great. Yeah. You know, it's also great and fun listening to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, I'm calling with a rant, which I know means I'm having a breakdown. Oh, my kid, he's 16 months old, and my husband is the stay-at-home dad, primary caregiver during the day. And then... He goes to work when I come home. And two days ago, my husband left as soon as I got home. I had our kid for like an hour, and then it was bedtime, and he screamed for over an hour at bedtime, which meant that my kid was crying with me longer than we were happy. And then the next morning, I had to leave for work, literally as my kid was waking up. My husband said, wait, he's awake. So I decided to be late for work, and it was a big district meeting, and I shouldn't have been late, but I had to see my kid, and I got to see him for about five minutes, and then I left for the day, and then I came home, and my husband and kid were gone, and they were at the store, and so then I didn't get to see him, and by the time they got back, it was basically dinner time and bedtime, and then my kid cried for two and a half hours at bedtime. We couldn't figure out why, and then finally my husband was like, well, how about you just leave, and I'll see if I can get him. I mean, my husband could tell I was getting frustrated, and so I left the room, and within minutes, my kid was asleep, which, you know, is not good for the mama ego. And then just, you know, uh, this whole working mom thing, just 
unfair, and I know that stay-at-home parents, it's not fair to them either, and it just, this whole thing sucks, and the schedule sucks, and why do kids sleep so much? But I want to see him, but then if he doesn't sleep, he's grumpy, and so then it's not fair either. Either I don't get to see him and he's happy, or I get to see him and he's grumpy, and it's just, it's not fair, and it's stupid, and now my husband and I are fighting because I'm mad, because my kid's mad. And then he feels like he's not doing enough, but of course he is. Just grumpy, and it's unfair. Oh, anyway, thanks for listening. Oh, you're doing a good job. Yeah, you are. It's not an impossible place to be. Yeah. You know? It's I mean, really unfair and really stupid. Yeah. Like, you're really right you're about right. that. Yeah. A lo- <laughs> there is just... That scenario of the baby crying and then the other partner going in and the baby going down, mm-hmm. which in my brain would tell me the story that I am the one who is causing right. this unhappiness in right. the child. Yeah. And it's because of all of these things that I do. That's not no. what's happening. No. The, it's yeah. just the baby just finally fucking went to sleep. Yes, that's you're right. Exactly like it's right. <laughs> yes, it's all that happened. Yes, our sane brain knows that, mm-hmm. but we just aren't that sane anymore. Mm-hmm. And like it's such an easy trigger for parent shame and parent guilt. And I'm, God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I am too. It really sucks. You're just doing such a good job in a situation that you don't have an answer to right now and so you know I think like biz you're totally right with that being a story and just remembering that those things are stories and it's just a thing that happened in reality yeah (laughs) and that your child is so lucky to have two loving parents and that you're doing such a good job. I think it's something that you said reminded me of parenting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And that was the like, we find ourselves lots of times in situations that we don't have solutions for yet. Mm -hmm. Solutions may come, but Mm -hmm. I don't think we give enough credit to the stress of the moment yeah, when we're in it. The before the solution. The before yeah. the solution. Yeah. yeah. That time. Yeah. And that is real time. Yeah. And I, yeah, you're, you're doing such a good job. Yeah, you are. Teresa, what did we learn today? Well, I think we learned that, you know, the internet can be a place of community and support and sort of emotional porn mm-hmm. uh, when we need to looky-loo. <laughs> and I think what at least it sounds like for us has changed in how we use the Internet since we first had kids and now is just that we are better at figuring out where we should not go, what is not providing us a sense of community, what is not providing us a feeling of a helpful village. And that's actually a good thing to be able to recognize. You know, so the Internet is our village now on some levels. Mm-hmm. Great. Soon it will be our overlord. So that's okay. But it's really great when actually 
we can find people that we connect with because lots of times we can usually take that offline mm-hmm. and ta-da! Person by person, our commune begins. <laughs> we also learned that women are, in fact, interesting. Mothers are, in fact, interesting. Their stories are interesting and can actually carry the same weight as non-mom, non-female stories. Surprise! And that working parents are juggling and shuffling a lot. And I think what I take away that's so interesting is once again, this idea that the story we're being fed is that it's one type of working mom out there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And they've got some help and they've got, you know, they're still able to get home for mm-hmm. dinner. And we listen. And it's hard. And it's, it's hard. It's but... tough. And you miss your baby. But, yeah, but yeah. it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that is not, that's not always the story. I don't think I know anyone, anyone like that. I don't who's had, who feels that way. No, I don't. It. I don't either. Uh, <laughs> but it's a better story to tell, isn't it? But keep you coming back for that sitcom. Everybody. Oh, it really just boils down to you're doing a really good job. Yeah, you are. It's hard. And it's a lot. And everybody's got different stuff going on. And we're all tired. And we all might have bees in a tree. Uh, We all might have been writing in a (laughs) five-year parenting book, only to discover we don't actually want to remember. And that's okay, too. You're all doing... A remarkable job. Teresa? Yes. You are doing a good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.